Thank you, Jason. I'm glad to be here today. Uh, just to talk a little bit about uh, advanced technologies, and in 10 or 15 minutes, that's kind of like trying to tell the history of the world. So uh, let me just touch on a few uh, technologies that are out there, some of the players that are in the market, and then I'll talk a little bit more about some specific, uh, what we think are some of the, the real neat advanced technologies that are out there uh, and kind of hot right now. Uh, we are uh, housed at the University of Tennessee Chattanooga in the College of Engineering. Uh, we are a brand new program. Uh, actually, just two weeks ago, we kicked off our new program. And uh, we're certainly uh, proud to be part of the university environment there, uh, which also includes quite an interesting uh, uh, function called the Sim Center, which is a high-fidelity computer, computer engineering uh, program there uh, with the University of Tennessee Chattanooga that works on fuel cell and aerodynamics emissions, things such as that. So it's certainly a, a great place to do this type of research. Uh, since we're here talking about air quality, I did want to talk about Chattanooga, Tennessee, which is where we're housed. In 1969, Chattanooga was cited as having the worst air quality in the country, uh, worse than LA and, and other large cities. Little Chattanooga with only 100,000 people. Uh, this was a result of their manufacturing base there. Uh, Chattanooga was actually known as the Pittsburgh of the South. Uh, a lot of economic benefits came with that, but the air quality uh, was literally in a terrible state. Uh, after that, uh, and actually Walter Cronkite on the evening news announced this to the entire country too, so Chattanooga had some work to do and, and got to work pretty quickly after that, beginning in the 70s, to clean up their air. Uh, today, Chattanooga is a completely different place. If you haven't been there, I invite you to, to come and enjoy downtown, the aquarium, the Hunter Museum, uh, very much focused on clean energy uh, approaches, uh, transportation, the electric bus system, and all that. So it's a, it's a great place to do this type of research. Let me move now to uh, what's called neighborhood electric vehicles or low-speed vehicles. Uh, and there's a couple of examples of these out there uh, in the ride and drive today in the parking lot. Uh, again, these are uh, low-speed vehicles. They're defined by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration of having four wheels, weigh less than 2,500 pounds with a top speed of uh, 25 miles an hour. Uh, there's about 40 states right now that have legislation related specifically to low-speed vehicles. Uh, and they're usually uh, operating in areas of uh, planned communities, universities, uh, military bases, national parks, airports. Uh, and they're becoming even more prevalent. Uh, I've seen them uh, used for uh, police uh, enforcement of parking, in particular in downtown areas. I was just at Arizona State out in Tempe, and they have quite a fleet of these. Uh, so there's a, a lot of these vehicles out there at this time. On the slide there, uh, global electric motor cars, which there's a few of those out there in the parking lot I noticed. Uh, they've been in the business about 10 years. They've got about a half dozen models and they're very prevalent in this market. Uh, Bleeker, I understand they have one at Methodist University here in North Carolina. Uh, Zen, zero emission, no noise there on the bottom right. Uh, also, uh, one of the players in this market uh, in terms of electric vehicles. 
just a couple of shots here of, of what's out there. And, and I've put a multitude of small-scale vehicles because there's basically anything you can imagine people have done. Up in the upper left is where somebody has taken an electric golf cart and converted it to uh, a 1966 Mustang GT look. So uh, he is riding in style, certainly, and uh, I'm sure the uh, neighbors admire him. The uh, upper right shows what is actually a gas-powered car by Zap. Uh, three cylinders, six speed, uh, uh, fuel economy about 40 or so miles a gallon. Uh, so that's a gas-powered vehicle there. Uh, down in the lower left is Doran Electric, uh, which is actually a three-wheeled vehicle. Uh, has lead-acid batteries, has about a 50-mile range, and uh, uh, I believe they're in uh, working with Gorilla Motors, which does a lot of work in motorcycle parts, and uh, have gotten into this area. Uh, on the lower right uh, is a Myers NMG, which is all electric. Uh, I think from what I've seen, this can go at a pretty high rate of speed. I don't know if I would want to go in a high rate of speed in that with the two wheels in the front and one in the back. But again, this just shows the range, uh, just a sampling of what's out there in terms of neighborhood vehicles. Moving on to hybrid uh, transit vehicles, uh, we know the, the benefits of the hybrids over the pure electrics. Uh, you get the, the acceleration, a quieter ride, energy efficiencies, uh, but it eliminates some of the limitations of battery only uh, buses or vehicles, which are shorter ranges, and some of the reduced power with the steeper grades. Uh, this vehicle shown at the bottom is actually one that we operated in Knoxville, Tennessee, which is a propane electric 22-foot uh, trolley. Actually contains a turbine on that, and you won't see that in a lot of applications. There's a few of them out there. Uh, and eBus out of California produced this, uh, and those are, uh, were funded under a congestion mitigation air quality grant, and uh, that was run on a downtown service that serves uh, the Tennessee Valley Authority uh, office downtown in Knoxville. Again, obviously two major uh, types of hybrids. I won't go into the definition, series and hybrids. Uh, moving along to what I would consider the, the major players uh, in the hybrid bus market. Uh, on the left there is Orion. Uh, uh, they have a BAE system, propulsion system. They've also got these vehicles in New York, Toronto, San Francisco. Uh, they uh, get about a 35% uh, better fuel economy than diesel vehicles, 90% uh, less in PM emissions, and 40% uh, less in nitrous oxides. Uh, up on the upper right is New Flyers product, which has been deployed in Seattle at the metro system there. Uh, and those are articulated 60-foot uh, buses that have an Allison uh, propulsion system. On the lower right are brand new buses from Gillig, uh, which have just been delivered to Santa Barbara Metro Transit. Uh, you can have one of these for $580,000. And uh, they just purchased eight of those. And uh, as you can see on the top uh, is where the battery pack is. And in the back uh, is the rear engine. And uh, it's got an engine about the size of a pickup truck. Another very interesting project, and this is a one-of-a-kind project going on right now. Uh, there's only one of these buses uh, developed by eBus, again, out of California. Uh, they did a project with the University of Delaware funded by the FTA. It's a 22-foot hybrid electric fuel cell bus. Uh, it's a 19-kilowatt fuel cell, fairly small, uh, but for this particular application, that works well and keeps the cost of the, the fuel cell component down uh, tremendously compared to what some fuel cells can cost. 
Uh, this bus can actually operate in a battery-only mode for about 40 miles and has a total range of about 200 miles. Uh, just a quick shot, up on the upper left, you can't see it very well, but the fuel cell is at the upper left, and that's a shot of the rear of the uh, engine of the vehicles, and it's about the size of a laptop. Uh, so the fuel cell itself, very small. Uh, as you see in the lower right, that uh, camel hump, as they call them on top, is where the two uh, fuel tanks are for the hydrogen. A couple other players in this market, uh, Mobile Energy Solutions out of uh, Colorado, uh, working on the National Fuel Cell Bus Program. Uh, this is a prototype vehicle here, uh, fuel cell hybrid. Uh, they are the folks that worked on the uh, uh, alternative fuel shuttle in Denver at the 16th Street Mall, same folks that did that. Uh, so you'll probably see a vehicle such as this, a prototype coming out. One issue with this, if you notice at the top, they don't have the hump. They've incorporated the tanks for the fuel cell storage up within the roof system there, so that's kind of interesting. Uh, one other player in this is a Chattanooga manufacturer that's a new startup, which is EV America. Uh, they've got a, quite an impressive uh, drive system built by SK International and uh, Bob Davis involved, who was involved in uh, electric buses out in California from, from their inception. So that's another player in that market. Uh, quickly finishing up with two technologies, and this one is truly unique. Uh, we're working with the University of Kansas on what's called an inductive charging system. Uh, this is where you would have a coil in the pavement uh, and the bus would come over the coil and there's a secondary coil on the vehicle and you would magnetically charge the vehicle and this obviously deals with some of the issues of changing out batteries uh, or having to switch out vehicles. Uh, you can actually charge this in a couple of minutes at layover areas within your route. So it's a very innovative uh, technology. Very uh, uh, unique, and this shows a drawing of it. Uh, however, it is in use in Europe. Uh, Genoa, Italy has a system uh, that some staff from our folks have, have been uh, over to see, and this just shows again the, uh, the area where it pulls over the, the charging uh, system within the pavement is flush with the pavement, uh, and you get within a couple of inches of that with the uh, charger on the vehicle. Uh, and charge the, recharge the batteries. Let me finish up with uh, plug-in hybrids. Uh, I don't know if there's anybody at the Electric Drive Transportation Conference uh, late last year in D.C. Was anybody there? Just me? There's one. Uh, I don't know if you remember, but obviously plug-in hybrids were a, uh, a major issue. I'd liken it to Elvis, Beatlemania, American Idol, I guess, today. It's, it's, it's amazing, the, the excitement around plug-in hybrids, and I wanted to finish on that. Uh, actually, the research into this goes back to the 70s, but it's very, uh, it's, it's getting the attention today, and it's, it's uh, so much so that uh, plug-in hybrids were demonstrated on the White House, White House lawn recently. Uh, obviously, a lot of focus uh, by vehicle manufacturers. Uh, essentially, uh, these type of vehicles can be operated on electricity or an ICE. Uh, they have larger batteries, which is one of the major issues, is dealing with battery size and getting a battery that's going to work well on this uh, platform. Uh, they have an all-electric range of 20 to 60 miles. Uh, there's some statistics that I think 78% or so of most commuters 
uh, go 25 miles or less. So a lot of folks could use these and stay in an all-electric mode uh, in their commutes around town. Uh, the great thing is just plugs into a standard outlet in your garage or your, your house, uh, so that makes it easy and no major uh, uh, conversions as far as the uh, charging. Uh, major players in this, Toyota Prius, they've already done some conversions there, some individuals. Uh, in addition, uh, Sprinter vans from Daimler Chrysler are being done. Uh, we have a uh, plug-in bus, which Advanced Energy is involved in, and uh, Ford. Uh, Edge is looking at a, a plug-in hybrid fuel cell, and uh, Saturn View is also talking about coming out with one. So uh, very uh, important technology to pay attention to these days. Uh, I won't go through all the advantages and disadvantages, but th those are obviously listed there. Uh, again, cost a little bit more, you have some battery issues, but uh, I'm talking about uh, the biggest advantage being the what I'd call extreme fuel economy of 100 or so miles a gallon and perhaps more. Uh, so a lot of focus there, a lot of attention on that particular technology. So with that, I'll finish up and uh, appreciate uh, your attention. And uh, if you've got questions or anything, please let us know.